Hi, everybody. I'm Ashley Pyle, and you're listening to episode five of season three of Humans of James River. In this episode, I'll be talking to a sophomore at James River High School named Brooke Long, and she's going to be talking about her experience being a child of divorce and how that affected her both as a child and to this day. She's going to start by reading an essay that she's written about her experience growing up with her parents having gotten a divorce and how that has impacted her relationship with her family as well as her mental health. I hope you all are able to take something from it and that you enjoy. Dear Newlyweds, love is selfless, not selfish. People will ask you what you are scared of and expect an answer of heights or maybe drowning. But how do I tell them my fear in a concise answer? The truth is, I can't. Growing up, I was left with hurt and heartache. I could feel myself getting lost in the blank wall and slowly the music fading only into false expectations of something I could only hope for in life. I watched red flags come and go, fights disperse. Parents are supposed to set an example for you of a future, yet the one thing in my life that was supposed to go right disintegrated. Times went from the smell of steak on the grill to, Daddy, did you go to the store this time? It's your weekend, and a simple reply, no baby, I forgot, I'll do better next time. There was never a better next time. Love doesn't give up on somebody so easily. There is nothing easy about it. Love is work and patience, while simply holding out your hand, longing for the intertwining of fingers, bringing you back to when you were teenagers. Love me, do not judge or question or desire to change me, because that is not love. That is an endless race uphill, carrying burdens on each shoulder, Meanwhile, thoughts of loneliness and imperfections of oneself stream like a river through the soul. Love is honesty and trust. This one came crashing down into my lap with constant games of he said, she said. Don't lose sight of why you promised to hold their hand for better or for worse. The day you chose to bear kids into this unimaginable world, don't untwine your fingers with his. You'll leave your little ones feeling like this. Pondering over who to say goodnight to first, only to feel the guilt and torn to shreds when five o'clock on Sunday rolled around. She watched her whole world head for an old Ford. I ran to him with a big hug, remembering how good he used to be, praying I would get him back. But I cried for her, leaving small fingerprints on the foggy window. The same two questions were asked, and my answer never changed. School's good. She's good. Two days passed, and I ran to her, wrapped my arms around her skirt, yet I cried for him out the window. I believe there are two emotions, love and fear, and love wins if you consciously let go of what frightens you. But what if love frightens you? My concise answer then comes to, I fear the consequences of loving. Sincerely, a child of divorce. When I was eight years old, my parents came to me and my sister and said they were going to get something called a divorce. At the time, I didn't really know what that was. And so my dad tried to explain it to me. And I remember watching my sister just break down in tears bawling. And I think one of the hardest things was how good of friends we had in the neighborhood and how close everybody was and it was a kind of a fear of the unknown and so eventually it became them separated but still living in the same house and that's why in my writing I kind of talked about pondering over who to say goodnight to first because that was something that really tore me apart I would go talk to my mom and I would tell her I love her and goodnight but I really didn't know how to leave her room and go to my dad without hurting someone's feelings or the other way around. And you slowly just started to see like a change in them. They became such different people. And I knew my mom was hurting, but she was trying to be strong for me and my sister. And then I saw my dad just kind of 
drift down this path of drinking and not being like the same dad that he used to be, not being the person that would take me to the farm with him and let me ride on his lawnmower and stuff like that. It was, it was no more stakes on the grill. It was just emotionless almost. And so my sister really struggled with this because she was in middle school at the time, uh, sooner going into high school. And I, I think it hit her and it affected her really hard to the point where she had to go um, to a mental hospital for a few nights and stay there. And I remember talking to her on the phone and her asking me to, to come get her and to come help her. And I think one of the things that was hard for me is that people expected because I was eight that I didn't really know what was going on, but I knew very much what was going on. And they were always asking, oh, how's your sister doing? How's your sister doing? But it was never a, hey, like, what's going on in your head? Are you okay? And so I started to grow a little bit of resentment towards her in that situation. And I knew that she just wasn't the same person anymore. And then my parents eventually moved out and we left our neighborhood because uh, they couldn't afford for that house, like, one-on-one. So my mom moved into this house and it was just me her and my sister, and then my dad moved into a different house, and it was just two very different lifestyles. My mom had a lot more structure and dinners at the table and got us to practice on time and showed up, but she wasn't the best emotional parent, whereas my dad just, he would stop going to the grocery store, and he would stop being a dad almost and that's when his drinking problem really became prominent and um I just like I said I kind of saw him fade into a different person than what he was and he would have his friends over at night and they would stay over until like three in the morning listening to music downstairs and again I was in elementary school I was really young and I didn't really understand what was happening and why he would continue to pour that X glass. And I would ask myself, why wouldn't he just do it for me? Like, why wouldn't he just stop for me until I started to realize I was asking all the wrong questions and that it wasn't, why can't he do this for me? He had to want to do it for himself. And that was when I would find him passed out in my bathrooms or find throw up in the driveway stepping in it on the way to school and I was just I felt like I was too young to be experiencing that and to try to really grasp hold of what all of that was so then I started to drift from him a little bit and I wanted I wanted a mother figure in that house so he started dating this girl um, who at the time was a really sweet genuine person she Uh, taught me how to ride horses and took me with her a bunch of places and we would go shopping together and uh, we just had really good open conversations and she was just somebody again that I felt like was a friend there and that was a mom to me but that changed really fast well over a few years that changed And my mom had met somebody and he was a really good guy and he had three girls and they dated for a little bit, but they got married really, really fast, which was kind of a 
shock to all of us. But yeah, we, we moved into his house really fast. They got married within, I want to say a year. And I mean, that was definitely an adjustment because we had to learn about some different personalities and how to adapt to those and accustomed to a completely different lifestyle with a blended family. So there was five girls total, including myself, and then my mom and my stepdad. And we, we just have, again, we had different lifestyles that were blending into one another, but we learned how to overcome that pretty quickly. And now they're honestly my best friends. I love them more than anything in the world. But over on my dad's end, that girlfriend that he had, well, it's a very confusing long story, honestly. He dated her and then found out a lot of information on her that was kind of prevalent to the whole family. It was just these different little hints of things. Like she would love shopping, but she loved shopping too much to the point that it was like a hoarding problem. And her closet wasn't just her closet. There was piles in the bathtub of clothes and and her closet, her car, the guest bedroom, the guest bedroom closet. It was just an abundance of clothes that was kind of worrisome to other people. But we just really, we weren't sure exactly what that was. And then it turned into her saying that she'd be home at 7 o'clock for dinner and wouldn't come home until 1130. And then it was her using my dad's money and using his money over and over again. And then we find out that she hadn't been paying her taxes and she hadn't been doing that for over six years. And she was kind of just living off of him, using his house as like a place to sleep at, but leaving when it was convenient for her. And then it turned into like drugs and finding that kind of stuff around the house, which was scary for me because I didn't want to be taken from my dad's house. That was the last thing I wanted because no matter what, he was always going to be my dad and I loved him. But it was just, it was a sad, just like spiraling going downhill. And then I, I felt even worse for him because she, he found out that she was still married to an illegal immigrant. Her sister was actually hiding in her house. Yet her sister was very big in their relationship. Like she would come over to our house for dinner and we saw her have a baby and like, this boyfriend of her like it was just this whole thing that the family knew that she was crazy and had all these problems going on yet allowed her into our lives and and to my dad's and his own kids lives but like I said her sister was hiding him in her house and there eventually became this like switch in her that it just snapped one day where my sister was in the driveway and she was going off and my sister was like, you know what? I'm done with this. Like, we don't need your problems anymore. Go back to your husband. Take take everything that's yours. Like, go. This is not worth it anymore. She had problems screaming at my dad and cussing him out. And we just hated him being that way and seeing him. Like, he just looked so upset all the time and um, so consumed in his phone that he couldn't even acknowledge what we were doing. And she was just like, oh, you need to leave. This is this is not healthy. You need to go home. And she she just snapped at my sister 
and came at her, like, running at her with her keys in her hand and, like, in a fist as if she was going to hit my sister in the driveway. And so my dad got in the middle of it, and she, with a close fist, punched him in the face three times, and my sister called the police. And there was this entire scene and in the driveway to the point it scared our neighbors, and the neighbor's kids had to go inside. And my sister and I had a restraining order made the next day, and she was served with those papers. And my dad, well, actually, before that, me and my sister used to joke, you know, like, what would it take for him to be done with her? Would it take her hurting one of us? Would it take her threatening one of us? What would it take? And we really never thought it would get to that point until it did. And my dad still didn't leave her, even though he said he was done with her. So it, it became her in the process of moving out, but she wouldn't want to walk downstairs if we were anywhere near the house, like anywhere in there. And this was kind of before the restraining order, so it was legal at this point. But my dad would kick me and my sister out of the house at like one in the morning would just be like, y'all need to leave and would make us just go sit on the side of Robius Road or my sister would drive around to all different places that we could think of. And um, just, just so she could walk downstairs because she didn't want to come in front of us. And there was always this part of me that tries to look at a, a good in everything. And my, my grandpa was really sick and he still kind of is. Um, he's on oxygen. His lungs are, are just not really good anymore. So at this point, we would go over and we would spend the night at their house and we would make cookies with them. And I don't regret that at all because I know that no matter what, I will always have those memories with him and I will have something good and positive that came out of it. But ultimately, I just felt like my dad was choosing her over us again. And this was before I could drive, so he would come pick me up from practice, but instead he would forget me there or be like, oh, sorry, I'm at dinner with her. Can your coach bring you home? And asking my coach to go 20 minutes out of his way to bring me home when it's my dad's responsibility really made me uncomfortable because I, I just didn't want to put him in that position. I didn't want people to know what kind of situation it was. And I just, I, I felt like, it was just a constant repeat of the same things over and over again of him forgetting his weekends and just not showing up anymore, telling us he was going to be at games and telling us he was going to be at school events, things that we worked hard for and just not being there, not being a present father. And that just, that started up a lot of problems between him and my mom too, because my mom didn't want to see us hurt like that. It was not her responsibility to keep us every weekend and, make up for when he couldn't do it, but well, she was just a good parent. She wanted to support us. She wanted us like, to have somebody there. So it, it was just very different dynamics at two different houses. And I've always told people that I can live with the fact that my parents are divorced. It really, at this point, it doesn't bother me anymore. It's the fact that it's ongoing and it's continuing. And even to this day after all of the things that she's done, he still sneaks around and goes to see her. And I always ask him why, because there's no, there's no point. There's no way that there was be ever be a relationship that could work between them, but it really, it doesn't seem to matter. And maybe, 
the toxicity of it is something that's exciting. I don't, I don't know, but it just, it created a lot of hurt on both ends. Um, so you had mentioned previously um, that your mom was the much stricter parent. Um, there was a lot more rules at her house, a lot more um, structure. Um, but I was just wondering if there were any issues that arose because of that, um, or if most of the issues were surrounding your father and his um, girlfriend. <laughs> well, honestly, for a while, his my dad's girlfriend kind of pinned me against my mom, and I really I didn't like her because she fed me with a lot of like false information on my mom. So as I grew older, I got to see all right, like what's true and what's not true. And of course there's problems with both my parents. I feel like my mom can be a little like hypocritical or manipulative or something like that. And I think everybody thinks that about their own parents. Um, I, I do like my mom's house in the sense that there is structure and there's family dinners and we do game nights. And I just, I have good sisters and siblings over there. It is more strict, but I've, since I'm not the oldest, I know my older sister, she definitely had it a lot worse than I did when it comes to that stuff. But um, my mom kind of trusts me a lot. So I kind of established an open line of communication with her that instead of just like shutting down my ass to go out and do something that like we can talk about it and we can kind of compromise over it. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess the structure and the more like the strict of it all isn't horrible um it's it felt it's, more normal like it felt more like an actual like a parent-daughter relationship yes and it, I think it I don't know it just it's it's pretty normal the only thing that gets hard for me is that like personality switch when I go between houses because my mom thinks I can do whatever I want at my dad's house which isn't always true like my dad is a parent he's still it's like, hey, where are you? What are you doing? But it's a lot easier to be like, hey, is it okay if I go do this and him not ask as many questions? And he doesn't really care if I go spend the night out or just like go live my life a little bit more because he wants me to make my own decisions because he thought college was kind of a hit in the face because his parents didn't allow him to do that, which I do respect that parenting style a lot. My mom just thinks that there's like absolutely no control over there. So they kind of beef between each other over that. And I kind of just have to remember, hey, like, if this would make my mom uncomfortable, I probably shouldn't really be doing it. So, I don't know. It's just definitely very different personality changes. And, like, I can just kind of pick up and go. If my friends ask me to hang out five minutes before at my dad's house or it's my mom, I just have to, like, I just sit there and, like, ask and communicate a lot more than I do over at my dad's. Mm -hmm. um, how is your relationship with your um, your three stepsisters ever on your mom's side? My relationship with them is really good, actually. So there's the oldest. She's 22. So she's in college. She's just graduating and has an internship. So she's kind of doing a big girl job, a girl life. <laughs> um, and she's quirky. I mean, she's cool. We get along really well. I just don't see her as much. Mm -hmm. The other two, uh, one's a, like less than a year older, and the other one is right at a year younger than me. So uh, our grades go right in order and so do our ages. Uh, we did share a room for three years together. The three Goodness. of us shared a room. And it was, it was a lot, and it was hard. But honestly, I think it helped us grow a lot together because 
like I said, like you had to adapt your personality to them. Like I'm a person when there's some sort of conflict, I want to address it right then and there. And I want to talk about it. Whereas they're the kind of people that you have to give them time to go cool down and cry or whatever they need to do. Uh, they're also morning people and I'm absolutely not a morning person. So we just, we had very different lives and extremes, but we balance each other out to the fullest now because I think I pushed them outside of their comfort zone a little bit, but they helped make me into a much like kinder and more serving and loving person. And I have absolutely no regrets in meeting them because I, I think that they're amazing people. And same goes for my stepdad. I think he's really cool. Sometimes he's a pain in the butt, but like, <laughs> I mean, you're going to get that with anyone, but I, I really do love them all together. If you, I mean, I know you already kind of spoke to uh, the newlyweds um, who might have uh, some children in the future and like basically just saying like what something like that can do to a child. But what would you say if you could say something to a child of divorce, what would you say to them? If I was talking to a child of divorce, I would tell them, a parent's a parent's always going to tell you that their goal is not to put you in the middle, and that's probably not their goal. But you will always end up in the middle between them. And I would tell them, you don't have to choose sides. You don't have to do any. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to do. You don't have to feel anything like that because ultimately it was not you who chose this life, and it was not you who put yourself in this position. You're. If your mom hasn't hurt you and your dad hasn't hurt you, you don't have to hate either one of them. You don't have to choose. Make your own judgments yourself. And what happens at your mom stays at your mom's. What happens at your dad stays at your dad's. Love both of them. Care about both of them. And talk to someone. Honestly, talk to somebody who understands and who can help you and who, who gets it because it's not an easy thing. And it will be something that's continuous because your holidays are going to be different. Your birthdays are going to be different. You're going to have two or four. Honestly, I have like six of everything. And I mean, it's it's great having six Christmases, but I also, it tears me apart because I miss having just that one or just that two. And your family is going to get bigger and you got to learn to love. You got to learn to spread that love on so many different areas and angles. But it will, it will get easier and it will get better, but it is draining and it's going to be hard. So find people that will support you. I just wanted to thank Brooke Long for being willing to come on to Humans of James River. I know how difficult it can be to talk about things such as this, especially something that is so personal and so vulnerable. And I just really appreciate her cooperation and her willingness to share her inspiring story resources module is always available to anybody out there who might need it and i hope you all will stay tuned for episode six that will be hopefully coming soon thank you so much for listening